ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. This is episode 41 of season 3 of the podcast. Can I pass away? Can I pass away? Can I look at faces that I meet? Can I get my book Third Eye Blind Bumper Blast from the Past on the podcast today. Doing something a little different today. Um, this is a rough draft of some stuff that I said, trying to build a video kind of montage of my college experience, if you will. Um, <laughs> had these questions. Where did you go to college, Russ? Uh, interesting question. Let's kick this thing off. Um, again, it's, I might repeat myself. It's a rough draft. Uh, it's not all polished. But hopefully, uh, I just want to put up some content this week. Been kind of in a funk. Book is sort of on the um, pause for a little while. Uh, going through some stuff. And uh, that's just where I'm at. But I wanted to share this with you because I, I found it encouraging. As I put it together, I don't know what the video is going to look like or when it will be up, but uh, uh, here, check this out just after the, the bumper again. Uh, again, ASI247.org is the website. If you want to click on the music tab, there's links to all the, the music if you want to download it in its entirety there on the website. Uh, keeps my nose clean with the IRAA or whatever their names are, the music industry um this bumper promos it's called in talk radio also if you would subscribe to the podcast if you like what you hear uh keeps the um keeps numbers up keeps people seeing the podcast and and it helps uh spread the message if that's something you're you're looking to do uh, I would appreciate uh, hit the subscribe button hit the favorite button on stitcher radio uh help support the show that way also this may sound goofy or needy on my part but if you've been listening for a while are you encouraged by the podcast um i would love your honest assessment of what you think of the the podcast here um any encouragement would be helpful either way you know sometimes critics are good coaches and I dig that as well. But have you been encouraged by the podcast? And if you have, I'd love to hear from you. Um, sometimes I just feel like a voice in the wilderness and and people ask questions and, and need help. And, and that's cool. And trying to direct people in the right ways and point people in the right directions. But I'll be honest with you, um, it's heavy. I've had people over the years spickled spackled emails back and forth who have said leave this thing to the professionals russ like you don't do this for a living you're not a professional you're not um anyone who should be doing this kind of um podcast 
and uh, honestly, it weighs on me sometimes. Um, sometimes there's a heaviness on my heart over it. And uh, I don't know if you've been encouraged. I'd love to hear from you. It's russ at asi247.org. Uh, if that sounds needy or weak, um, so be it. I, I'm both needy and weak. Right, I don't give a crap what you think about that. If you're, uh, if you have a bitter heart, so I'm a human being, man, and uh, it's just the way it is. Anyway, kick it off. I started a podcast called ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. I started the podcast as kind of an audio blog and to publicly put out some of the attitudes that it took me to get to a year without using pornography, which was a huge milestone for me. I did not even fathom that that could be possible in, in the way that I was addicted. And when it did happen, um, I, I wanted to talk about it. I prayed about it. I asked God, right, in prayer, I said, should I be doing this? And I really felt a, yeah, you know, you should go ahead and talk about this. So I started talking about it. And as the show grew, started out on Yahoo podcasting, once I got on iTunes, listeners started listening um, by the thousands. I really didn't realize that so many people would cling on to this message, would um, relate to my story. So over the years, I've been asked, what gives you the right, Russ? You know, this kind of, you know, credentials, like who are you to speak into the lives of so many people? Why you know, why do you do this and why do you think that it's okay that you're not an educated man doing this? Um, number one, I think experience is one of the best teachers. All right. Something C.S. Lewis, one of his famous quotes is that uh, experience is the brutalist of teachers. But you learn. My God, do you learn. Right. But then again, there's folks that will say, and I concur, that my story isn't everyone's story. My story's a little different. My story's darker than a lot of folks' story. Some of that has given people hope in the sense that if I can do it, they can do it. I've got those emails in the past, which is great. But I feel you, all right? So I wanted to share with you some of the, the things that I've learned. Um, I don't consider myself an educated man. I've said that many times in the podcast. I'm not a professional uh, anything, right? I'm not a psychotherapist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a priest, pastor, prophet. 
right? I'm not an elder deacon. I'm not a religious professional in any way, shape, or form. Um, but I do know a thing or two about behavior change because um, because of my own story. Uh, as far as education goes, when I was a young man, I didn't make the best life choices. All right, put it that way. Um, in when I was what fifteen, I guess when a lot of folks were freshmen, um, I was drinking booze that my mom had or I would get folks to buy it for me I was uh, about by the age of 16 I was a functional alcoholic um, I actually drank myself to death me and some friends after my mom had divorced my first stepdad uh, broke into his house stole all his booze I myself consumed about a half gallon of rum and had an alcohol overdose um, they pumped my stomach three times. I actually died for two minutes. So after I'd been rushed to the hospital, uh, in an ambulance and went to the ER after I'd been patched up and had my stomach pumped and my clothes cut off with a big pair of scissors, lost my Van Halen shirt I got from the concert. That was depressing. Uh, I was met by the police who uh, read me my Miranda rights and told me that I was being arrested for breaking and entering. And um, they had also said that my stepfather, graciously enough, figured that I'd learned my lesson and he wasn't pressing charges. Later on, uh, I learned that, yes, the state of Washington was going to press charges, but they decided to put me through recovery rather than sending me to some juvenile uh, jail, right? Because I wasn't an adult yet. So I was forced to go to recovery, uh, 12-step groups at the courthouse in Arlington, Washington, which was an interesting place for me to go. Um, my mom had a job. There was no other way for me to get there, but to drive her car. And funny thing enough, I didn't have a driver's license at the time. So I actually drove illegally to the courthouse every Wednesday to go to these recovery groups. Um, uh, you would think that that would wake me up and it did a little bit, right? Like I felt something changed in me. <laughs> I didn't have my near death experience, but, but something changed in me. Uh, and that lasted for a little while. I had dropped out of school at that time. Uh, I looked into getting into, a after the alcohol overdose, trying to pick up the pieces a little bit of my life and I looked into getting into an alternative school. I went to that school for about a week before the pressures of life and making a living and getting some money in my pocket brought me right back to dealing drugs. Uh, started selling pot, got into trafficking cocaine after a while, uh, working my way up the ladder. So Again, not the best life choices as far as trying to get some education in my life. When a lot of folks were graduating from high school and looking into, you know, what colleges they could apply to, I was sitting in coffee shops trying to set up uh, cocaine deals, all right, when I was 18 years old. You could say I got mixed up with the wrong crowd, but really it was my own foolish life decisions. Um, 
I just, I don't know, you know, I just wanted to put my foot to the floor on my life and, and just live. I didn't have enough um, concentration, I guess, to, to sit in a classroom and, and try and learn anything at the time. I still had a lot of wounds I would not chosen to heal from. Um, it's strange. I think I was really a romantic person at heart. I wanted to love someone, but I had, again, these pussy wounds that made me the kind of person that was hard to be around. Uh, also, the crowd that I was hanging with, I had a few girlfriends who uh, I really, you know, felt like I felt in love with them, you know, head over heels. I just fell in love with them, and and they cheated on me, you know, that kind of thing. One time with a friend... Uh, who I was about ready to hit with a baseball bat when he came to my apartment. And then he says, Russ, you know, listen, he calls her, doesn't tell her that I'm listening and just listen to what she says. And, and that was heartbreaking. Uh, another girlfriend that I had was kind of just, you know, I had my heart broke a few times and then I just reacted badly and it was just friends with benefits kind of a thing. And that was heartbreaking as well. Uh, I met my wife, Dana, right? I knew her back and forth and she didn't really hang with some of the people I hung with, but I saw her uh, a few times. I was smitten with her at my birthday party. This is after I had wrecked my car. I had this, uh, this car I, I saved up for. Uh, I had a job. I was roofing, I was kind of buff at the time, trying to get off the, the drugs, right? And I got a job, and I was making some money. I bought this car, and then uh, got back into the party scene again. Wrecked the car, uh, going through an intersection. It's a true story. I'm going through this intersection. The light turns yellow, and I used to have this image in my mind of just rolling the dice, Right? I'm just going to head right through that intersection. And I hit a guy head on. Uh, he was taking a left as I was going through it. And uh, weird little tempting image in my mind of this gambling with my life at times. But it's what I did. I remember sitting there by the car. I had hit this guy's truck and totaled out my, my uh, it was a Monte Carlo, 76 Monte Carlo, uh, had nice rims, right, jacked up in the back, it looked like a Hot Wheel, uh, I got a numerous amount of tickets, the police started to know who I was at parties and pulled me over every time they saw my car, which was kind of uh, unique, <laughs> the way it was built, uh, so they would search my car, I mean, it just, so I had a, a, troubles with the law, um, I get in this accident, I'm sitting next to the curb, and I hear the police, right? He's sitting there, he's asking me, are you alright? You know, I feel dizzy, what what year is it? That kind of thing. Um, I had actually starred the windshield with my skull, right? The, my head hit the windshield, and there was a spider web on the windshield where my head had hit the windshield. Uh, so, yeah, I was bleeding a little bit. Um, cop goes, uh, you know, you, you, you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I think I'll be okay, and, and just sit here on the curb. So he runs my, my name and my license, and I could hear this because it was kind of warm out, and he had the windows and the patrol car down. And, uh, yeah, he's got a few warrants. Maybe we should take him in, right? You should bring him in. Um, 
on the warrants that he has. He has two. So I'm thinking to myself, all right, I'm either going to go to jail or I'm going to go to the hospital. <laughs> so he walks back over to me, hands me my license, and I said, oh, man, I'm feeling dizzy, officer. I don't know. Things are going black. <laughs> I don't feel so good. So, yeah, I ended up later on paying for that ambulance ride, which was like $600. Um, but then after that, I met Dana, my wife, uh, at a party. It was my birthday party, and it, in the this house over by the hospital in my town in Everett. And I just got really smitten with her. Like I wanted to meet her. I wanted to know about her. She knew me and, um, she was in another relationship at the time, but later on we became boyfriend and girlfriend and we became married, but she was the first person to not tolerate my drug use, to not tolerate me uh, drinking myself into, um, unconsciousness, right? Like she was the first one to care about me like that. Like really loved me and didn't want to see me self-destruct. Um, I lived with her for a while. She got pregnant. We got married. Uh, she got pregnant with my daughter, Alicia. Honestly, you know, holding this this baby in my arms, I remember I, I, we got married, right? Uh, and, and I'm holding my daughter and thinking, wow, I am responsible for this little life, right? Like, this is amazing. Uh, I, the amount of love that explodes in your heart when you hold your own kid, you know, you have, you hear people say that, like, you don't know unless you have kids. There's some real truth to that. Like, there's a heart level kind of a wisdom or knowledge that enters in that you can't prove, you can't put on paper, you can't, right? It's just, it's spiritual, I think, really. Um, but I remember feeling that that responsibility and that weight of, wow, like I'm, this little person is, is my, my child, <laughs> right? Amazing. So I wanted to be responsible, right? Get a job, work hard, um, work my way up the company ladder or whatnot, right? And, uh, had a few different jobs. I got fired a lot, man. I had anger issues and stuff that again, I hadn't chose to heal from yet. And, uh, just being fired, being laid off, responding not well to those things, um, but still not drinking myself unconscious, right? Not going back to the drugs. I'm still clean. I haven't done cocaine or touched marijuana since the, the 80s, right? Late 80s. Um, but the sex thing stuck with me, all right? Compulsive masturbation, going back and forth with that, pornography, and videotapes and then DVDs and uh, just tried to shake that for years and it was just incredibly hard until um, after about the third time my wife caught me with the pornography and was ready to leave right done with me at the time um, honestly she didn't know how bad it really was at that time but just, I know I, in my heart, I needed to change. I needed this to stop. I was going back and forth over the years. I'm just sick of this. I wish I could get rid of it. I can't get rid of it. God, take it from me. It's not going away. Um, trying to manage it on my own unsuccessfully over and over again. And finally I had to tell somebody, right? 
I had to get this out in the open. I talked to a pastor at the church that my mom was going to. I wasn't even sure if I was a Christian anymore. I didn't believe in God. I really didn't have a faith. wasn't going to church. Really struggling um, with my relationship with, if, is there even a God, right? Uh, where am I going? Who am I? Really struggling with those kinds of things. Like, who is Russ Shot? I didn't have a firm grasp or bead on, on what that meant. That's when the guys at AC3, you know, they talked to me about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They told me about how that wasn't religion, how a lot of the stuff that I believed in growing up was just works-based religion, right? How through my recovery from drugs and alcohol and some of that 12-step teaching that, that Jesus was kind of a bit player in my story. And that's not how it is. It's not how it works, right? God isn't a supporting actor in my story. God wasn't over here helping me get clean from drugs and alcohol. God's been calling me to him the whole time, right? And through this process, I started to to see that. I see how God loves me. Um, I, I had to change my dysfunctional relationship that I had with God. I think we all have a relationship with God. Mine was dysfunctional because of the way that I saw him. I saw him as mean. I saw him as a uh, principal of my high school. I saw him as an abusive father, right? Uh, I saw him as like a, a corporate boss ready to fire me for screwing up all the time. Um, not kind, loving, right? Not what the Bible says, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Um, you know, through my recovery and after a year of not using pornography and the gospel in my heart, I remember Pastor Rick at, at AC3 would, would say, you know, the, this metaphor of number five is alive. I don't know if you saw that movie, Short Circuit, back in the 80s. This little robot gets hit by lightning and becomes a personality, becomes alive. And, and, and Pastor Rick had this metaphor of, you know, Christians who, who get lit up in their heart, like number five is alive, need input, Right. So I started doing this podcast and I needed to relate to people. I needed to learn some things. So I started to uh, get emails and people asking me questions and not everybody had my story. Not everybody had my situation or the way they thought or their personality types. So I really wanted to start to learn more about behavior, right, and motivation and what changes our hearts and our minds and our behaviors. I really started to get um, passionate about that. Really started to, to geek out about that, if you will. So in late 2006, I discovered iTunes University, right? Or iTunes U, um, where you can actually go on to iTunes and start to download and listen to lectures for free from colleges all over the world. Now, why didn't I go into a real college, Russ, right? Why didn't you go to a community college or something and take a class on, uh, I don't know, psychology or theology? or Why didn't you go into that? Big question. I'm asked a lot. Um, I don't read very well, all right? This is not an excuse. This is simply me realizing my weaknesses. I have dyslexia. I've had dyslexia since I was a kid. Um, when it comes to reading, I do do it. 
And I enjoy, again, I enjoy learning. But reading for me is very laborious and time-consuming. And it takes a lot of mental energy just to stay focused on, on what I'm reading. And, and not just focused, but getting those words off of the page and into my brain. Alright? I'm more of an auditory learner. I always have been. I love audiobooks. I love lectures, um, sermons. I've listened to a lot of sermons on uh, tape back in the day, right? And then on, on iTunes, um, on other podcasting sources, on YouTube. Sometimes I'll just put my phone on and I've listened to a lot of lectures and sermons on, on YouTube as I'm driving to work and not watching the video. Probably using a lot of bandwidth, but... Again, I enjoy learning auditorily. I seem to retain more of the things I learned via audio than I do on paper. Um, it's just the way my brain is wired. So for me to go to a university or a college, universities usually have um, more of an academic way of dealing with folks like myself, people with learning disabilities. Um, Albert Einstein was dyslexic and, right, they made a ways for him to learn. Universities are more forgiving that way. I don't have the, the wherewithal to go to a university. Um, but again, community colleges, I'm just, I'm intimidated by the amount of stuff I would have to read in a short period of time. So this kind of material, learning in this way, was a way that I could learn. I can sit in the back of a classroom at a prestigious university like Yale, Berkeley, uh, Reform, Reformed Theological Seminary, Westminster Seminary. Um, I'll tell you about some of the lectures I've, I've listened to. Now listen, again, I'm not saying I'm an educated guy, all right? I am saying I do love to learn. And these are some of the people, by the grace of God, I've been totally blessed and honored to hang out with over the years. Being in the company of them has let some of their knowledge rub off on me. Um, I'm so thankful to live in this age of technology. That through searching the internet, right, through searching like iTunes and, and the, the ability that colleges have had to just put up for free their content for me to listen to, um, I, I'm humbled and honored and very grateful. I've spent, I spend many hours of my life driving, all right? My job in the catering field, in the food business, is moving food from one place to the other. First of all, moving me to work. I live in Everett area, in the Seattle metro area, just north of Seattle, in a city called Everett. I drive through Seattle every day to another city called SeaTac. If you've ever visited Seattle or caught a flight that... Uh, had you in Seattle, you've probably been to SeaTac. So I drive, uh, it's about a 45-minute drive for me to work every day. Um, when I get to work, I drive all day long, and then I drive home. So I'm spending multiple hours behind the wheel and listening um, I used to be talk radio. I used to listen to a lot of talk radio, which was just kind of like candy for my mind. And I still listen to some of that, right? Sometimes I need a break <laughs> from all the heady stuff I've been learning, and I still tune into news radio and stuff like that. But, right, I've learned to 
take some of my time that used to drive me nuts, right? Sitting in traffic and use that to learn, to get some education, to use that word. So what used to be a total pain in my rear end, (laughs) sitting in traffic and driving all day, used to be a strain on my patience, has has now become a way for me to, to learn. Um, I get to study. I get to listen. Um, Steve Jobs talked about learning infinitely more after he had dropped out of college. I'm not, all right, I'm not encouraging anyone to drop out of college, right? I think you should stick with it. Stick with the classes that, uh, that you need to take. But for me, a guy who really struggles with reading, if I'm passionate about theology, psychology, philosophy, and you're going to make me take a a math class and an English class, to be honest with you, I wish I would have paid more attention in English because there's a lot of words I've had to look up listening to these lectures. So I'll give you that. English. All right. But you get what I'm saying. There's certain classes that you have to take as a college student that... um, take a lot of time, take a lot of resources. And if you're not interested in those topics, um, man, it, it can weigh on you. So I've got to learn from just the things that I've wanted to learn from. And yes, do I enjoy English? No, I don't. But I've had to learn. My, my vocabulary has grown immensely over the years because I'm immersed in, in learning from these folks. And that's a good thing, right? It's not just that I took an English class. It's that, wow, what does that word mean? And then having to go look that up. Different drive than just learning it for the sake of learning it, right? So anyway, I'm going to tell you, uh, I just want to go through some of my um, unconventional education, if you want to call it that. Again, I didn't go to the tests. I didn't get tested. I didn't do the readings. I did some of the readings. I listened to some of the stuff on audio that was available. What was being pointed out on the PowerPoint or the models or whatever. Motor cortex, the frontal lobe, right? The occipital lobe, the temporal lobe, the parietal, the cerebellum, right? All these different maps and parts of the brain are on there. I find that stuff fascinating. And in this way of learning for me, it's something that I didn't have to do. I wanted to do, which was totally different than my experiences in school. There's a lot of stuff I had to learn. I didn't necessarily want to learn, but, right, it's just the, it's the deal when you're in school, right? You have to learn certain things. Anyway, so let, let, let me read something I wrote. Again, I, I went into some of this. Not to say I'm an educated man. I'm saying I do love to learn and These are some of the people, by the grace of God, I've been totally blessed and honored to hang out with, be in the company of, and let rub off on me. So I'm thankful I get to live in this age of technology, that through searching, downloading, and spending many hours while driving on the road, I get to listen, study, and learn from some of these accomplished, exuberant, enthusiastic people while they brilliantly fulfill their duties in the craft of teaching they so obviously are gifted at. Thanks also to the universities for letting a jacked-up guy like me be a fly on the wall and have access to the content that they generously provide online.
Um, these are not in order, the order I listen to them, but these are some of the, the hours I've spent um, in what I wanted to learn, right? The passion, the, the thing that I, I, I get to learn. Here's, here's some of it. Um, Yale University, Intro to Psychology. This is taught by a guy named Paul Bloom, a professor uh, who studied at uh, MIT. Um, he got his Ph.D. in 1990. He also had some guest speakers during this class. Uh, one of them was very powerful, Susan Nolan Huxma from Yale University. Um, she's a leading researcher, author. Um, she writes books on clinical psychology. Uh, she's very in-depth and in-study on the topics of depression and gender roles in depression. Um, so yes, Paul Bloom, uh, a great, great teacher there at Yale University. Uh, Jeremy Wolf, PhD, Intro Psych MIT. Listen to the that series of lectures, which was uh, many hours. <laughs> Intro Psych at uh, MIT. Dr. David Pallison. Um, this was a, a very powerful lecture. I've listened to some of this stuff a few times, lecture series. Listen to this recently. Um, David Pallison is just, uh, um, when it comes to psychology and theology, this guy is, is my Yoda, right? He's just a, a very brilliant teacher, um, has a really good bead on um, not just the, uh, the theology side, but the, the psychology side as well. Um, David Pallison's Ph.D., he worked for four years in psychiatric hospitals, um, during which he came to faith in Christ. He teaches at CCEF and edits the Journal of Biblical Counseling. Um, the guy's a Ph.D. from the University of Pennsylvania. Just a brilliant, brilliant cat. Um, I can't remember how many hours of lectures that was, but quite a few. Uh Yale's Stress, Self-Control, and Addiction Consortium. Um, these are a, a set of lectures taught by different people, not just at Yale, but Florida University, um, MIT, Harvard, different folks in the area of uh, research as far as self-control, stress, and addiction. Um, some great lectures here, and I, I believe they keep adding to it. It's kind of like a podcast more than it is a lecture series, but... Uh, Yale Stress and Self-Control and Addiction Consortium can be found at stress.yale.edu if you want to check that out. Um, RTS, Reformed Theological Seminary, uh, Pastoral and Social Ethics by Dr. John Frame. This was amazing. I learned a ton <laughs> listening to these lectures. Um, it was upwards of 40 hours of lectures, but it, it really good stuff. Um, from John Frame. Uh, if you get a chance to listen to that, look that up. It's great stuff. Pastoral Counseling, again, at Reformed Theological Seminary, taught by Andrew J. Peterson, who is actually the president, the dean, if you will, of Reformed Theological Seminary, another um, licensed psychologist in Pennsylvania, where he worked for six years at a mental health facility. Um, He's a professor of psychology. He trained. Um, he also trained other psychologists 
at Grove University in California. The guy's just brilliant. I've been so blessed to hang out and listen to, to him as well. Um, Liberty University in Virginia uh, listened to another class on the integration of psychology and theology um, taught by Dr. Clay Peters at the uh, Liberty University. Another great uh, set of lectures on worldview and counseling, marriage, family practices, ethical issues, um, how those relate in, in culture and in Christian culture and the differences between uh, integrating religion, right, and, and the spiritual impact of, of how we live out our lives. Uh, another great set of lectures there. Some stuff I didn't totally agree with, Mr. I don't agree with everything everybody says, but there's, anyway, I don't, don't, I'm not totally up with uh, Dr. Peters, but some great stuff anyway. I'm totally glad I spent the time listening to those lectures. Um, back over on the secular side, if you will, uh, sociology, 150, uh, the University of California at Berkeley. Uh, Mr. Rob Willer uh, is an associate uh, assistant professor of psychology, University of Berkeley. He's a PhD, got his PhD in 2006. He's got a master's uh, associate's degree in 2004 from, of sociology from Cornell University. This guy is just amazing. Um, again, I don't agree with him on everything. <laughs> right atheist college professors uh anyway but uh, i i like rob willer i like the way he taught the this class um the guy's very uh very enthusiastic he's a he's a fun teacher he actually won an award uh during the lecture series somebody's bringing up an award um that he's a, one of the favorite teachers uh, of the students there at, at berkeley uh, sociology at berkeley was great um a lot of hours, but a great, great set of lectures. So totally, totally blessed to have listened to that as well. Systematic theology. This is one I'm still currently working through. Um, Dr. Ofnit, the, the three musketeers of, of systematic theology from Westminster Seminary. Um, Dr. Olefint, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Probably not. Uh, Dr. Murphy, Dr. Murray, and Dr. Lane Tipton. Um, Westminster Theological Seminary, a course on the foundations of study of theology and particular emphasis, emphasis on understanding the teachings of Scripture in its whole and its unity. Um, some great stuff in there. Uh, Dr. Tipton is not afraid to go into some philosophy, which I really dig about uh, seminary professors, how we think, you know, the 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 realities of, of God and time and space and uh, critical reasoning, right? And great stuff. Um, the theology of C.S. Lewis. I, I listened to this, one of the first lectures I listened to by Dr. N Knox Chamberlain. Um, he has since passed away. Uh, he passed away on February 7th, 2012. Um, but this was a great set of lectures about the, the, the how C.S. Lewis saw the world and some of his story and why he wrote such awesome books and why he was such a thoughtful Christian. Um, really, really love this class, and I'm very blessed to have hung out with, with Dr. Knox. 
um, during this this lecture series. Great stuff. Uh, he got his master's at Columbia Theological Seminary. Uh, went to Wheaton College where he got his bachelor's. Um, yeah, doctor. He got his Ph.D. at Union Theological Seminary. Um, just a great guy. Very blessed to feel like I have known him a little bit because <laughs> he's an emotional teacher. Dig the dig the guy a lot. Uh, Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. Um, these lectures are like having his whole uh, book, the book, big thick book called Systematic Theology on audio. It's over 114 lectures, multiple hours of theological adventure <laughs> from Dr. Grudem on iTunes. I'm actually working through this again. I listened to uh, the bulk of it a few years ago and... Uh, I'm picking it up again and, and working through it. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot to to digest. But again, I'm going through that again. I'm actually starting from the beginning. I probably got through 50 lectures, but now I'm restarting over from the beginning just to re-devour some of that information. Um, Oxford University, Critical Reasoning for Beginners. This this was amazing set of lectures. It was only six or seven lectures, but it took me probably three months to get through this set of lectures on philosophy because it was that heady. All right. There's just some other stuff I had to look up to learn what I was, wrap my head around what I was learning. Some great stuff. Marianne Talbot, um, who is the, uh, the head of the Department for Continuing Education at Oxford University. Um, she's also heads up the philosophy uh, department there as well at Oxford. Pretty cool story. She, um, you know, she was a bit of a wild child. If you look up her story, she's, you know, didn't start out. <laughs> she kind of started out like me a little bit, just being kind of crazy, kind of wild. Didn't get into... Uh, to school until she was like 26 but she has an amazing story and a uh, her education and her career is amazing she's very passionate about putting out content for free as well which I more than appreciate so very grateful for educators like her who who don't just um, like that the stuff goes up for free wants to continue and, and fight to continue that more ears would hear and be educated by this free content. Um, RTS Covenant Theology, uh, Dr. Stephen Myers, uh, Covenant Theology. Amazing, again, amazing set of lectures. Uh, Dr. Stephen Myers was not, uh, he's, he's a teacher that was, I had to really discipline myself to, to focus in on. Not like me, all right? This is one of these cats who's very intellectual, <laughs> just smart guy, uh, kind of emotional, but not really. <laughs> so it's cats like that that I, I struggle to learn from. But this guy, just the, the information and the stuff he was teaching, I really wanted to wrap my head around. So I dug into to what he was talking about. The examination of covenant theology from an exegetical and historical perspectives. Um, the word covenant is 
it's like, you know, entering into not just a contract, like people call marriage a contract in the world today. Marriage in the biblical standpoint is actually a covenant. It's, it's signed, sealed in blood. There's a, there's a punk rock band called the Dropkick Murphys. As I'm recording this, it's almost St. Patrick's Day. They're kind of a, <laughs> kind of an Irish punk band that uses bagpipes. And they have a song um, called The Rose Tattoo. And in that song, it says, you know, part of the chorus is signed, sealed, and blood. I would die for you. Um, that's covenant, man. That's, that's what covenant is. And, uh, yeah, I listened to multiple hours with Mr. S Dr. Stephen Myers on covenant theology. Um Professor Rich Avery at UC Cal Berkeley on cognitive neuroscience. Uh, back in 2011, I listened to these um, on cognition, on brain behavior. It's from the Cognition Action Lab there at UC Cal. Uh, great information. I didn't get through all of the lectures. Um, some of this stuff was just too hard for me to, to wrap my head around listening on audio. My wife, for my birthday, and my, my mom and my, my stepfather actually bought me a brain. <laughs> so it's like a model brain. It's, it's the right size and weight of a normal brain. It's actually what they would teach in college. So I got to, you know, look at this brain while I'm listening to the class a little bit. I'm driving around with a brain in my car uh, listening to cognitive neuroscience learning about the the frontal lobe and the motor cortex right and the occipital lobe right and the cerebellum figuring out where all these things are and how they affect our our behavior the way we think and when when the mind is injured these these kinds of things so that was a another great set of lectures um the new psychology of depression uh, this is another one at Oxford University, taught by Professor Mark Williams and Danny Penman, um, who were teaching a class on mindfulness, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, the mindfulness and the approach of remembering where you are, um, being mindful, uh, reveals a set of simple yet powerful practices that you can incorporate into daily life to help break the cycle of anxiety, stress, and unhappiness and exhaustion. Um, a great set of lectures as well. Wasn't very many. There wasn't that, that much of them. Some of them have been taken down, I guess, because these guys had wrote a book. And they didn't want all their intellectual property online for free. But I am very grateful for what, what they provided there. Uh, New Perspectives on Paul by Dr. D.A. Carson. Uh, another great set of lectures. This was, these were put up a while back, but, um, wasn't very many of them, but I did, did really like the, the lectures by Dr. Carson. This guy is interesting, very interesting guy. Um, D.A. D. A. Carson has written over 50 books over the years, older gentleman, but, uh, I really enjoyed the time I spent listening to him as well. Um, I've listened to other stuff besides these lectures here. I listened to multiple talks at C.S. Lewis Institute, which is another great school. Um, started in Oxford and is now has a bunch of uh, uh, schools here in the United States. 
Washington, you want to talk about your breaking bad stories, all right? The Washington, D.C. president of C.S. Lewis Institute is a man named Tom Torrance. Uh, Terrence, I believe it is. Uh, this guy was a domestic terrorist for a while. I want to talk about someone who's had radical heart change. He's a former Ku Klux Klan member who uh, was imprisoned for domestic terrorism, who gets saved and who has this heart change and becomes this uh, seminary professor and pretty soon the president of C.S. Lewis Institute. He's pretty elderly at this moment. I'm not sure how much power he actually holds there, but uh, it's an interesting story nonetheless. Listen to uh, The Prayer Life of C.S. Lewis uh, that was taught by a few different folks. Also, you know, Ravi Zacharias is a great speaker. He's done some stuff at C.S. Lewis Institute as, as well as uh, Michael Ramson, another young guy, smart guy. Um, the guy's got degrees in economics, stuff like that. So C.S. Lewis Institute is a great place that I've learned from as well. Uh, C.S. Lewis Institute has a lot of stuff up online for free. I listen to n numerous sermons um, and other side lectures and TED Talks and stuff like that by some of the teachers that I enjoy. Uh, again, I'm not saying I'm an educated guy, all right? I just wanted to, to let you know some of the stuff I've learned to, to, to tell you, um, maybe reassure you that I'm not a complete moron, all right? And while I've had friends that said, you know, why don't you get a certification at a community college? If I was going to trade all the stuff that I learned listening to these lectures over the years for a community college certification in counseling or psychotherapy, man, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Right? Be honest with you. Not that I'm judging all community colleges. I'm just saying, all right, I got to sit in the back of the classroom for multiple hours at places like Yale, MIT, Berkeley, Reformed Theological Seminary, Westminster Seminary. All right? Um, so hopefully this little video helps, uh, solve some dissonance in your mind about the, the guy who may be leading you in the area of addiction and behavior change and heart change. I love you guys. I mean that sincerely. Um, you don't have to stay frustrated and angry sitting in traffic, right? If there's anything that you could learn from listening to this, you can learn, right? You can change your mind. You can change the pattern. But I made this audio, um, little rough draft here, to encourage you that you don't have to tear it down. You don't have to quit. You don't have to give up. Um, there's more life in pressing forward. There's going to be pain either way. You quit, you give up, you hang up the whatever, right? It's just going to lead to more pain later on. We think it's, it's freedom, but it's not. Freedom is pushing forward. Freedom is moving on with your life. Freedom is praying and calling out to God to assist you in writing your story that is your life. All right? He loves you. He'll come alongside you. He will help carry the burden, right? 
Jesus says that. Walk with me. I will not forsake you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I've started the good work in you. I will see it through. This is faith words. These are words that we can trust to move forward with our lives. The truth is, and the good news is, I've seen way more behavior change in me than I thought possible. I mean, honestly, I thought I'd be dead by now. That was kind of the direction of my life for a long time. I thought my kids would have disowned me. I thought I would have wrecked, totally wrecked my family. Um, I thought I'd be divorced by now, but I haven't. And that's good news. And I'm encouraged in that. So, yeah, man, if you're stuck in traffic, you feel like you're stuck at all, um, you can learn. What do you want to learn, man? Um, Where are you going? Some questions I've been asking myself lately uh, in this season of life. I hope this helps. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, bye. I want love to walk right up and bite me. Grab a hold of me and fight me. Leave me dying on the ground. And I want love to spit my mouth wide open and cover up my ears and never let me hear a sound. I want love to forget that you offended me or how you had defended me when everybody told me down. All my fault. Yeah, I won't let love disrupt, corrupt, or interrupt me. SI Podcast is a listener-supported show. It continues to exist to lift people up and out of slavery and destructive sexual impulses. Your donations are crucial and more far-reaching than you know. Ready to do the courageous act of pressing forward by releasing attitudes strangling, firmly gripped hands, by opening them to do something bigger than yourself. A big thanks for filling this need, and remember no man is too small. Please give that ASI 24 7.0 RG.